What is up, everybody? Welcome in to a rare game day edition of the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Adam Mates, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, George Carl. Coach, um, a big week for you coming up here. We got Carolina versus Duke. Uh, uh, obviously, a big game. First time they've matched up in the Final Four in the... Uh, uh in the uh, coach k era so that'll be big and then of course the hall of fame announcement we expect to, to find out this weekend i'm going to start though with duke carolina what are your thoughts are you excited that these two teams finally meet up in the final four and excited nervous how do you how do you how would you rank all of the different emotions you're feeling right now well uh you know carolina duke is a great rivalry um a couple of weeks ago, when they beat Duke at Cameron in Coach K's last game, that was a big hit for us. That was a big, uh, a big win in a difficult place. And this 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 rivalry's had unbelievably great games. And you know, I went back and saw the first Duke Carolina game at Carolina. It was a blowout. Yeah. Duke handled. And then yeah, just be surprised by. Carolina playing that well, probably playing their best game of the year. And uh, and then going into the tournament and playing, you know, not great basketball, but good enough basketball to win games. Mm. And I don't think anyone could have ever expected after the Duke-Carolina game at Carolina that they ever would meet in the Final Four. Right. So I'm, I'm positive on, on Hubert Davis getting their team into the final four. It's a great accomplishment by him. I think he has stayed strong. He stood tall. He's taken a lot of criticism. And right now, Carolina's playing good basketball. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a difficult win. But being on a neutral court, uh, you know, there's some symbolism of Coach Smith's first win was on that court 40 years ago. Right. That's right. There'll be some uh, there'll be some energy on both sides, even though I think Duke has gotten more energy because uh, you know the last game they were somewhat embarrassed by it, and I'm sure they're going to be motivated at a high a high level. Right. But you know that all goes away about ten minutes into the game, and it, and I think I think both teams will meet the the intensity challenge. I, mean, I think Duke could go off to an early lead, but I think Carolina, I think it'll be a close game. And I think as so many games come down to, it comes down to is, is your defense at the end of the games and also your ability to make three-point shots. And right now, Carolina is making a lot of three-point shots. Why do you think that is? Is it pressure? Like sometimes when you're an under seed, I mean, I mean they're, they were an under seed for, for some of these games that it's just like, hey, let it fly. Nobody expects us to be here. Or do you think they're just running hot right now? Well, I think they got their, they've cut their rotation down. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're, they're shallow. I mean, depth is not their asset. But I think they, they kind of let love and manic to be free. They're free to shoot the ball anytime they want to. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing all the time right now, seeing how the game is changing and shot selection mentality. Right. But 
the power of making three-point shots is being displayed in pro basketball on a daily basis. And now I think in this tournament, we understand how much the three ball has become a prominent personality yeah. of NCAA basketball as much as NBA basketball. You'd mentioned the uh, nervousness, you know, that you go to a game. For me, I would get nervous before big games back in my playing days, but you said 10 minutes. For me, it's 30 seconds. The, the moment you run up and down the court once, I just feel like it's like any other game because the adrenaline wears comes in and, and your focus gets gets in there. That To me, I was never nervous for, for longer than that. What was for you – did you get nervous before big games? And is there any game in your, your college or pro career you remember where you were most nervous before tip-off? Oh. And nervous is doing some work. You know what I mean. The flutters, the just kind of like the jitters there. I really think the biggest games at Carolina are the, are the, ACC, the ACC tournament. Yeah. I remember my first ACC, my sophomore year, we went to the finals and lost to South Carolina in the final game. I missed the one-on-one -on -one with 11 seconds to go. Mm. I'm proud to tell you about. Uh, we were up one, and I could have clinched it back then if I made the one-on-one. I'd been up three, and then there wasn't a three-point shot then. Uh, I always remember that game because I think it motivated my our team to go on to win the NIT that year and play really our best basketball was – I think we beat everybody in the NIT by 20, mm. except one. And we played at a high, high level because we, we were disappointed that we lost and we didn't get into the subway tournament. But I think all the ACC games I remember were very difficult ones to play. Uh, and back then, that was the way you got into the tournament. So the pressure of making, you can go undefeated. And if you lost the tournament, you didn't go to the tournament. So I think my, my year, my generation of basketball is the most stressful games were probably the ACC tournament games. When do you think you will hear, do you know when you will hear about the Hall of Fame? I mean, I'm, I'm told it's expected this weekend, but is there a specific day and time? Uh, I'm not supposed to tell anybody that, but I should hear in the next 24 to 48 hours. When will we hear? So when will it be announced? I mean, are you going to hear before everyone else? I think the announcement is on ESPN. Okay. Uh, at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Okay. And for you, uh, what's your, just, what, is, what are you feeling? What are the feelings you have right now? And is there a plan? Like when you anticipate finding out, do you have a plan for where you'll be, what you'll be doing? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity. The first time being a finalist is very nerve-wracking. Uh, the, the Hall of Fame has been great. They're first class. Um, you know, they've been, I think, I don't know totally the process. Uh, but, you know, when the class is announced, I, I, if I'm a part of it, I'll be elated. Uh, I'll be celebratory. And I'll be ready to do whatever they need me to do to, to be one of the members of a, a great fraternity or a sorority and fraternity of, of, of basketball people. Well, I'm excited personally for it. So I, I mean, obviously be, be tuned in for this and um, 
you know, I'm also interested just to see if it does happen, you know, what the reception is around, especially in particular with the Denver Nuggets. I'm telling Nuggets people I know watch this one. George gets in. I expect a very big uh, celebration from the Denver Nuggets community because I still think of you very much as a Sonics coach, Bucks coach. But I think you first and think of you first and foremost as a Denver Nuggets coach, um, and, and that would just be such a big moment for me personally. And I know for for the the history of the Denver Nuggets, um, if that were to happen. So I got my fingers crossed, and, and I'm excited for it. I want to talk about another coach, though, and Michael Malone, who just received an extension from the Denver Nuggets this this last week. He'll be with the team. And, and the way the team put it in their press release was that, you know, they they he has been here from the entire Jokic era. Him and Jokic started the exact same year, you know, together. They've been through this entire process and that they want to see that process through. So it's a multi-year extension. And it's one that they the way they're putting it is there's unfinished business. And we believe, you know, we want him to be a part of that unfinished business, getting us to the next step. What, do you have some some thoughts on that extension, the timing of it, the length of it, and and just kind of what was your 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 thoughts when you saw that come through? My first and definitive thought is he earned it. Uh, Michael Malone has been not dealt a friendly hand. These three years of basketball have been very difficult. I think especially on coaching, and his team has uh, you know overcome some problems, some injuries. Uh, the roster construction has always been a little bit weird at times in my mind. And I think he's overcome that. He's gotten better at it. He's got to be actually, I think he's gotten to be a pretty damn good creative coach because of the, the, the construction of the, of the makeup of the team and the injuries thrown in along with it. Um, and I, I think he's been, he's got to be applauded for the Jokic. He's got, he's got to get some of that credit along the way uh he's an intense demanding coach which i like i think that's i think that's how you win in this game uh i don't think it's easy to win i don't think it's easy to be a good uh to to have a good team without a good coach and he's proven all those things many times over and i i don't know about the timing of it i have no idea what they're thinking there uh but you know, I think it's good for the team to get that, get past that. If, they, if Malone's the guy you want, then let's get let's get it out. And when the playoffs start, we worry about one thing and one thing only. To me, that's the timing. I, I have a feeling like this. Let's not kid ourselves. The last ten games of the season, we're we're four games into that, six games left. But the last ten games of the season have been sort of make or break for the season. You know, it's been in some ways successful given the, the the circumstances. You know, the players getting injured. But now you look at it and you go, any distractions would be tough. And I have to imagine that's why they did the extension of get that out of the way. So that's one less big distraction hanging over the coach, hanging over the team. And now you can just kind of focus on this season. So it sounds like maybe you don't see it that way. That this could be a major distraction relief. Well, I think management has, that's a, a question for a general manager or a president of a club. Um, I think coaches a lot of times in the, our business kind of get manipulated and they don't have much influence on what and when those things happen. Um, and then sometimes talking about it pisses people off. So yeah. I'm glad they got out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Mike. And, 
and, and when it, when it was announced, I was hoping maybe there might be something on Porter and Murray announced with it. Right. Uh, maybe they were coming back. Or they that was my play. thought. Honestly, I thought that's why they extended him so that, hey, play those guys. Don't worry about your job. Play them even if they're not great when they come back. I thought. Yeah, that's kind of what I was feeling a little bit is maybe it was kind of a, a celebratory beginning of announcing that we're, you know, we're going to try to win. We're going to try to win in the playoffs. And um, I mean, I mean, it's a crazy year. Uh, it's probably the most wide open year I've ever seen uh, from a standpoint of who is going to win. I think there's only one team, Phoenix, that's actually claimed any championship mentality right now. And I think what happens in the playoffs is going to have a big factor on who evolves into the championship. I don't think that team has been decided yet. You know, Boston's playing really well. Memphis playing really well. Right. Can can Golden State come back and play better? They're playing awful. Uh, you know, there are a couple teams in the in the East, like Brooklyn and Atlanta, who made some noise in the playoffs last year. That could be they could lock off someone in the first round if they're healthy and 100 percent So whoever wins. Right now, you got four teams in the East. We don't. We don't even know who's going to win. I think Boston will come out number one, uh, but Miami could fall to three. Well, what do you? I mean, first of all, I'm going to stop you there because Boston lost Robert Williams now, and the news today he's electing. It's a meniscus injury. He's electing to shave the broken part off so that it's a has a quicker return time, four to six weeks. But four to six weeks that means likely the second round of the playoffs. So I'm with you about Boston being good, but I think that's a really big loss for them. That might cost them the one seed and might put them even depending on what matchup they get. You know, they're a really good team, but he's a big piece. They might, if they get a Brooklyn or uh, Philadelphia in the first round, that's a tough draw. How could they get Philadelphia? Can they get Philly in the first round? I mean, right now, one through five are out, out east is separated, I think, by one or two games. So let me pull it up here. Philadelphia. Uh, so Boston right now is the three seed, Philadelphia the four. And actually, they're three games up. So you're right. They probably won't fall to where those two teams end up matching up with each other. You're more looking at Toronto or Chicago, most likely for Boston. And both of those teams, I, I think Toronto is actually a very interesting team. I don't sure? know if they could beat Boston, but they're they're interesting and quirky enough that if you're, again, a team having to adjust to a brand new starting center two weeks before the playoffs, that's a big blow. But the guy they picked up from Houston, I think it was a really quietly good pickup. Uh, getting their, their center that they traded to Houston and brought him back. I think he's oh, an Tice. adequate backup. Tice, yeah. I think he's an adequate backup. He knows who too. he is. He knows his role. And don't give me Williams. I think the Williams kid has been playing high a higher level. Yeah. But uh, I I don't think it's a neg a total negative that there's a big hole left there. I think they have they have the ability with uh, Horford and and uh, Twister. Yeah. Uh, I think both those guys are quality, and they've had NBA playoff experience. I like Boston and East. I really like them because their defense. I think they're by far right now the team, only team in the NBA that puts a defensive attitude on the court almost every night. 
Why is their defense so good? Is it something schematic? Is it personnel? Is it intensity? Well, I think Williams, when well, you yeah, have Williams, Smart, and Brown, you're, you got three defensive players starting for you. That's true, yeah. And you got a couple other guys that if they want to play defense, can play defense. And then they got the smart guys off the bench, the big guys, Horford, and you know, they're not maybe talented defensive players, but they know they know defensive schemes and philosophies. So um, I don't know why it took them so long because early in the year they were awful. And now they're, I mean, when they go on the road and win by 25, I'm going to tell you, that's hard to do. Yeah. And they, they've kind of been doing that as every game. Uh, it's easy. Yeah. They've done it to everybody. I made a joke earlier that they were leaving everybody in crisis because Celtics would come to town, beat you by 20, and you'd think, is our team not good? But at that moment, it's just that the Celtics were at such a high level. They were a machine every night, consistent every quarter, every night. They just were defending. And we'll see if that continues. They obviously dropped one to Toronto uh, a couple nights ago, so we'll see. We're going to disagree about this one. I think the NBA is pretty interesting this year from a style standpoint. I think there's some teams that are trying some very interesting things. There's not a lot of great teams. We usually have two or three great teams. And I don't think there's a lot of great teams outside of maybe Phoenix and, as you were mentioning, Boston. But I think there's a lot of teams that are trying interesting things. Toronto's one of them. Boston's one of them. Phoenix are obviously one of them. And I and to me, this era of NBA maybe has more experimentation than I've seen in at least the last 10 years. And I'm wondering if you mentioned Boston is smart. I think smart might be the most underrated talent of a team collectively you have a bunch of smart guys i think you kind of need it because it's not general principles that you apply to all 29 teams it's what's the game plan tonight what is the other team trying to do do you have guys that can think quick enough to adjust night to night to know what it is you got to do like kind of how do you value basketball intelligence in particular in this current nba you don't win championships without it if you don't have experience and feel and comfort in playing and playoff basketball, you got to learn it. You got to live it. You got to go through it. And, you know, I know fans don't like to hear coaches say, well, you need more experience. You need right. more, more veteran players. But, you know, the truth of the matter is young players don't win in playoff basketball very often. It happens, but it's always on the small side of success rather than big size success. Uh, so much is how to win a seven game series. You know, when you get involved with it, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the momentum swings, uh, and then the adjustments that you got to make. So much of basketball in a seven game series is basketball IQ. And that's what you're talking about. Boston seems like it's matured. It's gotten grown right. up a little bit. The Brown Tatum feud seems to be now a love fest. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on out there that are mental yeah. as much as physical. And that and and the whole thing comes down to this. there's a commitment. Um you know, there's a difference between compromise and commitment. And I think Boston now is in a commitment stage. Earlier in the season, I think they were negotiating a compromise, mm. but now they're a committed basketball team. 
Another team that's very impressive is the Phoenix Suns. And the Nuggets just took on. Did I lose George? Are you there? Did we freeze? Up oh, there it is. It came back. Another team is the Phoenix Suns, coach, and the now. Nuggets just played them. I thought that the Denver-Phoenix game, that was one of the best games Denver had played all year. They weren't without flaws, but Denver's been pretty flawed all year. I thought Denver played great, and they lost by 10. I mean, Phoenix is a juggernaut. They're just – they're really, really – they know who they are. They know what they're doing, and they were motivated. Um, what did you take away from that game? How do you think Denver played, and what do you think you, we can learn about the Nuggets from that matchup? I think they uh, – I think Phoenix – the Nuggets earned Phoenix's respect in that game. Could be. Uh, I thought – I thought they, that game had more playoff – characteristics right. than any game I've seen all year. You could, you saw two teams with tremendous intensity and connection trying to win a big, just a, a regular season game. Yeah. I, I like to see more of those games. It doesn't seem like we are getting as many as them as I thought we would. At the end of the year, you usually get some matchups that you go, oh, this is going to tell me something. And I thought that game told us something. And most people are, are kind of agreeing with what you're saying, Adam, is Phoenix might be the best team right now. But they got to win four. Right. They got to win four playoff series. That is hard to do. And there's still injuries and fatigue and uh, a difficult matchup. Uh, I, I don't think Phoenix is a, a shoe-in right now, is guess what I'm saying. They're damn good. They're getting better. They're well-coached. They seem to be focused and primed for the moment, um, but they're going to have to have they're going to have to play good basketball to get out of the West. Where are they weak? Where what do you have to do to beat Phoenix? Well, I think uh, I mean, you know for me is is somehow some way getting after Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean I think he's the the guy that guides it. And uh, I think he's done a good job with Booker and kind of mentoring him into being a type of Chris Paul player almost. Um, and I think the big thing with them is they're a good defensive team, but I still think they give up a lot of points on certain nights. Um, I, I don't know if, if it's – I, I, don't, I don't know. I have a feel if it's attacking their backcourt. Or attacking their front court, the better defenders are in the in the front court. Um, but I, I I like their attitude. I like their connection. I like their chemistry. Uh, they're a no nonsense basketball team. Uh, they they can beat you offensively and they can beat you defensively. Right. They can beat you with their bench, or they can beat you with their stars. Uh, they beat you in different ways, and they're. They're a very focused team. As the game starts, you can see them. If they're not focused on the first possession, they get focused very quickly in an NBA game. Let's take our first break. Uh, on the other side, I want to get into some more Nuggets stuff, specifically Jamal Michael Porter. We're going to talk about the upcoming game on Friday. That's going to be the, the game of the year, Nuggets-Timberwolves. It looks like that'll be a game that maybe decides the, the playoff seating for you know playing or not playing. 
So we'll get into all of that on the other side. Guys, I, I see some people saying, hey, I want to update on Jamal, this or that. One, we'll give some more updates today on the pregame show. And two, I got a future <coughs> coach here. I just want to talk basketball. I'm going to – We'll get into some nugget stuff, but I always like picking George's brain about actual basketball stuff um, that applies to the Denver Nuggets, even if it's not about them. But first, our presenting sponsor, guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on College hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets of the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 522 Four seven zero zero. All right, back here, back half of the Keeping It One Thousand podcast. I want to remind everybody of all the things that George Carl is doing with the Truth Plus Basketball podcast and media company. Lots of good stuff there. Um, so if you're looking for more content and wanting to hear more from George, and not just George, they have podcasts that that have George on podcasts that other things as well. You want to check out Truth Plus Media. Um, are you? impressed with the Denver Nuggets' road record this year. They set a record for most wins on the road. Now, they balance that out by not being very good at home this year. But are you impressed at all about the fact, and does it give a personality to a team that they've been so good on the road? I, I, I always am. I mean, winning on the road, I think, is harder than the home. Anybody that wins over 21, half, half their games on the road are a hell of a basketball team. I mean... I actually trust the road more than I trust the home court. I think the home court can be have a, a little bit of fool's gold. You know, you can win a lot of games that you're not supposed to win. And, you, you know, you, you might, be, might get lucky with some bounces at the home. Right. But when, going out winning on the road, you got to be it, – it's it usually, usually win one on the road. You're not given one on the road. And uh, so I'm very impressed by that. Uh, and, you know, we've had a crazy schedule. Sometimes, you know, it's the luck of the schedule that helps you win some games. I, I, I don't keep tabs of that. My gut says they have had better luck on the road than they've had at home with roster construction, you know, uh, injuries, right, COVID. Right. It seems like we, it seems like most teams, including Denver, got in more trouble at home than they did when they were on the road. But I do, I do, I do respect it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just hard. I mean, travel, preparation, you know, overcoming a losing streak, uh, and 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 they've had a, their personality on the road. I think has been more calm, more collected, more aware. At home, they can they get a little scattered. They get a little too fast. They get a little. Yeah, a little, little, little out of control at times, but on the road it seems like Jokic and Mike Malone have total control of what's going on on most nights, and uh, they've delivered a hell of a road win. A lot of, a lot of great road wins. 
if you're the coach or, or the lead player on a team like this and you see that record get set, do you try to make it a personality trait? Do you start to talk to the team and say, hey, we're road warriors. This is what we're known for. Make it a rallying cry because the Nuggets are going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. They're probably going to be the lower seed. Well, you know, there's always a confidence to go in, especially at the end of the season, go in and win a big game on the road somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I know a couple times we won down to San Antonio and Oklahoma City. And those things, and when you win in April against a team that you know that you might meet in a week or two or three or four, uh, there's a little bit of a psychological advantage of, of playing well at the end. Uh, I'm not, I don't think you have to be playing well, right? But I think you got to find a place if you're not playing well, like uh, say Golden State right now, they got to find that place in the first round, not only to win, but and build confidence. Uh, they got to find that place, and it's going to be a little harder when it's been a more of an up and down ride, like Golden State. Utah's not playing well, I think it lost their fifth in a row last night. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's some health problems out there. You're not, not going to know until the playoffs start exactly what team's going to be out there. You know, right. who's Denver going to have on their roster? Right. And, you know, is everybody going to be healthy in Memphis? I don't right. know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and find these things out. One of the storylines about home this year, and I don't think it's a reason for wins and losses, to be clear. But one of the storylines, especially over the last couple of weeks, is that the Boston Celtics came to town. That was a Celtics home game as much as it was a Nuggets home game. We, we've obviously seen this with Chicago and the, with the Lakers. If you think back to your time in Denver, the, all the years that you spent there, I know we had Lakers fans in the building. They're just everywhere. I, I know. Do you feel like it is growing, the number of opposing fan bases, and in particular for those marquee games, Boston, L.A., Chicago, do you feel like the number of opposing fans is growing here in Denver? <clears throat> well, from what I can tell, yes. You know, there were a couple games I thought the home, the visiting team had more people than we had at times. Uh, I don't know how you change it. You know, a Laker fan probably is not going to go to the Laker game. They might be able to fly to Denver and go to a, Denver, <laughs> a Laker true. game here in Denver cheaper than the only one in L.A. You joke, but that's actually probably true that you could buy a flight and hotel and ticket for the price of just the ticket in, in Los Angeles. You know, and hell, I did it with Hamilton. I, I couldn't get a ticket to Hamilton here in Denver. I flew to Chicago and it was it was it was less less price. That's crazy. So I mean, I mean, I think the NBA has gotten to be so popular, they're getting a, a, a good seat might be easier in Denver than in, in, uh, in the L.A. stadium down in L.A. If you think back to 2009 is obviously the big one. That's the Western Conference Finals. I don't, I don't remember off the – I remember only Nuggets fans at that time, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Do you remember – was there a big Lakers presence for that, the Conference Finals? I don't remember it as much in the Conference Finals as I yeah. remembered it during the regular season. Yep. There were a couple times I thought the Laker game and maybe the Knicks game and maybe the Miami game when LeBron was in Miami, there seemed to be a, a crowd lot long, louder and more involved and more engaged, uh, but not as much as now. I mean, it's, and it's not only in Denver now. There's some other cities having the same problem. 
Right. Right. For sure. I just was curious to, to kind of like jog your memory of that. Cause I don't really remember it too well. Um, I want to ask you this one about just Stan Kroenke in general. He's usually behind the scenes. You don't really see or hear from him too much. Silent Stan has been a nickname. Do you like an owner that's sort of out of sight or do you prefer owners to be a little bit more in the spotlight? Mark Cuban's the old, you know, the big name guy that you always see. Maybe there's a middle ground, but what do you think the visibility of an owner should be? I like my owner being involved with my players. Uh, I like him being around my team. Uh, I had owners that used to be only come in for Christmas and playoffs. Oh, and yeah. now the owners are there. I mean, I mean, I like an I like an owner to know my players to know my owner. I guess it's more comfortable that way. Uh, I really think ownership is a part of the organization. I'm no, no, no matter what personality he wants to be. Uh, I think the Cronkies have a tremendous influence on this organization. And the more the players seem, see them connected with everybody and, and care about everybody and can be, can have an empathetic mentality towards what's going on in the game. I think it makes you stronger. It makes you stand up taller. Right. I, I think so too. I mean, I, I don't mind an owner that's not concerned of the spotlight all of the time, but I would like to hear from ownership a little bit more, you know, I, I would just kind of like to get their perspective and feel their passion. Cause I think that's an important thing. Um, so with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr, we got a report from Mike Singer yesterday. It's something I had heard with, with Michael Porter, that there was some kind of setback. Um, I don't think it's a recent setback with him. I think he was ramping up from everything I had kind of heard behind the scenes. He was ramping up and sometime three, three weeks ago ish, maybe four weeks ago, had, had a bit of a setback in his rehab and then had shut it down for a little bit and then has since started to ramp up again. We'll see if he makes it back with Jamal Murray. It's been a little bit different. I mean, we've heard just some report. I think reporting has been so light in large part because the team is just waiting to see, does he feel good? Do they feel good about him coming back and, and, and all of those things. Last night was interesting. Paul George came back from 40 missed games. Fantastic game from Paul George. Really impressive first game back after missing half a season. And it was impressive of a team in the Clippers that have made big comebacks, sort of their MO this year. They got a very, in my opinion, an important win for them that kind of says, hey, we're good when we're whole. And after the game, Paul George said, I idolized Kobe Bryant growing up. Would Kobe Bryant come back, even if he was discomfort, uh, uncomfortable, would he come back and play? And he said, yes, he would. And that's why I came back and said, hey, I just got to play. I got to take this opportunity. I think about that with regards to the Nuggets, with regards to Jamal and Michael Porter. And I think there's two, two contrasting thoughts going on. One is you never want to come back too early and have what happened to Clay Thompson. You get hurt and maybe you miss even more time. You get re-injured. But there's another part of, is discomfort part of what we signed up for when we signed these big contracts? And hey, I might not feel 100% confident, but if they're telling me it's safe and I'm okay, maybe I just have to play through some injury and play through some, some discomfort uh, to just see if I can give my team that boost. Where do you fall on that spectrum with regards to these two players? Adam, you're trying to, you're trying to converse about old school and new school mentality. I mean, Maybe. it's old school, Kobe Bryant, old school. Yeah. Yeah. Old school was, you know, you, your body's going to hurt. Yeah. Your body's not going to feel good if you're playing into June. 
Right. You know, there's something going to be wrong every night. Oh, my left, my left knee would say my right knee tomorrow. Uh, and load management and all the analytics that we now got with the physiological makeup of our players. I, I don't know why guys miss games, but there are a lot of guys missing games more than ever before. I don't think it's going to swing back to the old school. Right. But I think I'll say this. I think to win a championship, you got to be old school a little bit. Right. You can't, you can't throw old school out the window. Right. Because, you know, game six in the, the third round, you might have to play tired, hurt, and injured. Yeah. I, I feel that way too. And I mean, look, we don't know the specifics. Like we're talking to training staffs or like, Hey, is there a risk here? I see some people in the comments say it's not worth risking a Michael Porter injury. First of all, I don't know what the risk is when you've had three surgeries. Like the risk is going to be high. That's just, that's a given every game he plays. There's going to be some level of risk that's unique to him because most people don't have one back surgery, let alone three. The question is, is there an immediate risk to both players? If they were to come back now, that's unique to that. And that's the question again. I don't know, but there is, I think, another layer to this of just to as to your point. I'm sure Jokic hurts like hell right now. He's been carrying this team for three years with hardly any break. I'm sure his body, if you were to ask him, he's probably like, "Yeah, my back hurts, my legs hurt, I'm sore, I'm tired, I'm banged up, I got bruises all over." And when you're out of the game for so long, I do think there's you almost forget the you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's mentally mostly, but it's also a little bit physical of, yes, that discomfort, that's where you have to exist in that discomfort as a superstar player. And I, I, I just wonder if that's the battle Jamal Murray is going through right now about reintegrating himself into discomfort. Well, I think the evaluation that you make is what you're going to gain. Uh, mm. Yeah, I true. know everybody wants to dream that Murray and Porter can come back and after the first round or maybe the second round, they're going to be as good as they were last year. They were last year. That's probably not the case, but they might be able to steal around. They might be able to win in the first round. And it's the experience of growing. Right. I, yeah. I know, I know fans don't want to hear it, but you got to learn how to get to the conference finals. Yeah. And the conference finals in the bubble might be a little different than the conference finals on a home and home and away basketball series. And I, I think that's the case that I think Murray or Jokic, the more they get to play in Utah in a big game or play in Golden State in a big game or play in Memphis in a big game and and win a game on the road in a, in a big time game five or game six or game seven. Uh, you know, there's a, I, I just know that the first couple of times I won those games, I mean, all the games are going to be close. You're not going to blow someone off, but you're going to learn what you got to do to win close games right. in a playoff format. My big thought with why I would love to see Jamal Murray come back again, I don't know the physical parts of this. Like there might just be something where it's like, he cannot do it for whatever reason. But if there is the possibility and it's just a, should he, shouldn't he? The reason I think he should, if he, if he can, is that I think he needs to experience this with the team. 
Meaning, I don't think the Nuggets are winning a title this year without Jamal Murray. I don't think they're winning a title with him this year. I mean, it's, it'd be really hard to talk yourself in, even if he came back great. It's just such a short runway. But I would rather the team lose if they are going to lose with him so that it's a loss that he feels and has ownership of rather than watching the team like I wasn't a part of it, whatever. Like I just think teams have to go through these experiences together uh, to really get the most out of it. So that's what I would love to see. And maybe they win a series. Maybe they win two. But if he's there and a part of it, they I just feel like they'll be more connected going into next year, um, knowing that the, this was a thing they all did together. But we'll just have to wait and see. There's a lot of pieces of this that I don't think we know. Do you feel uh, um, this game coming up on Friday is a big one? I mean, Nuggets, Timberwolves, I think it's going to decide who gets the sixth seed. What are some of the things you're looking for when you w look at that game specifically here in Denver? My recollection is the last couple of times they played Minnesota, Minnesota's had their number. Yeah, it's, yep, they have. I, I know the last game was that way. I think they actually, the game before that, they might not have won, but they played very Denver very well. Correct. Uh, they're athletic as hell. They're long as hell. They got a center that's maybe one of the top 10 three-point shooting guys in basketball. Uh, they got a young kid that's going to be an all-star for 10 years. Uh, Russell seems to be trying to figure out he might be trying to become a little bit of a point, a better point guard. Um, there's a lot of things going in the right direction for Minnesota. But I still think they're young enough that they can be beat. Uh, it's a good test. I don't think it's a must win for Denver. I think they can, I think they go, they'll get to succeed with the win or without the win. I think the two Laker games are going to be gifts. I don't think LeBron's going to play. So I think their schedule is so much easier than, than Minnesota's uh, down the stretch. Even though uh, if they would win, would Minnesota have the tiebreaker? Minnesota does have the tiebreaker. Even if they lose, they would still have a tiebreaker if their records are the same. Yeah. Well, it's going to, if Minnesota wins, it's going to make it a lot of fun. It's going to be <laughs> very interesting. Uh, but, you know, I think the play-in game, Whoever that's going to be, L.A. or San Antonio or somebody, New Orleans, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the play-in structure. I'm a big advocate of, of instead of whatever this play-in mentality is that we got to put up with for the next two weeks. I would rather see one to 16, see them, and you, you would have some unbelievable matchups, you know. You might have Milwaukee playing uh, Dallas. You know, you have the newness. The league is always searching to bring new things in. And the 16 game, see, see the guys after every 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 playoff round. You're going to have great matchups, matchups that we haven't had before. And I think it would be a dynamite way to 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 magnify the power of the playoffs this way, this play in game, I think it's confusing. It's maybe a little confusing. The one thing I will say though, every game in the NBA matters right now uh, outside. I mean, you get Oklahoma city versus Houston. Like, okay, that only matters because both teams are trying to lose, but there's fewer tanking put Portland teams in there, put Portland in there, Orlando. There's a few of them, Detroit, but aside from those teams, 
every game matters. Like the Lakers right now, I don't know if they want to win. We'll talk about them to end the show here in a second. But San Antonio, usually they would be tanking right now, trying to lose. But instead, they just need to win a couple more and they can get into the play-in and maybe to the playoffs. New Orleans, same thing. So to me, and then even Denver, who usually you would be looking at this and saying they're either the five, six, or seven. We don't even know who the matchup is, so it doesn't really matter. But now you look at it and you go, there's a big difference between six and seven. So now every game has that much more intensity, in my opinion. So while I'm with you spiritually about what's the most fair and is it fair that the Spurs, who are 15 games below 500, have a chance to make the playoffs? No. But you know what? I just care about competitive balance. And to me, the play-in has brought an extra bit of competitiveness this late into the season that I think is worth the weirdness of it, the confusion of it. So... That's my case for for the play-in, at least. It doesn't sound like I convinced you at all. Well, I I just know that a couple times when I was working for ESPN, when we did the 16-seeded thing. Yeah. I mean, you got some unbelievable matchups. I know I wouldn't know how it would come out now. But you know, the seventh and eight, the eighth seed would be playing the ninth seed. I think that'd be the one matchup. That could be a game between. You know, Memphis and Toronto. Yeah. I mean, it could be an unbelievable matchup. And what what we love about the second round of the playoffs is that's so that's where we get really great matchups. I think this way you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of really good matchups in the first round. And the first round is okay, let's see who's gonna maybe get upset. But it, it usually works its way out that the second round of the playoffs is where it really gets gritty, yeah. where it gets really physical, where it really gets mental. Uh, the first rounds are like, oh shit, we might, we, 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 we might, you know, we, we're getting, they, we, we get nervous. Right. I yeah. rather see great basketball in the first round, and then, and then it'll definitely be there in the second, third rounds. I want to ask you to get out of here uh, a Lakers question. You know, I've, I love the game of basketball. There was a long time where I really enjoyed LeBron and what, you know, what he meant to the game, the style, the player he was, and, and just how good of a player he was. I can't tell you how disappointed I am in this Lakers team. And it's funny because I hate the Lakers. I love to see him do poorly, but the fact that they just appear to be almost throwing in the towel, I don't know if they want to play in coach. I almost think they want to lose to be out of this whole thing. And, I look at that and I think an all-time great bowing out, even though, because I think he knows they're not going to win a championship and it's almost like, well, if I'm not going to win, I might as well not compete. To me, I just hate that mentality. I love when teams compete for the sake of competing. And I don't, I just wondered what you're, I know you are a basketball God's truther. You, you believe in the spirit of competition. When you watch this Lakers team, do they bother you as much as they bother oh, me? Oh, bother me. I'm tired of LeBron, but <laughs> the guy that I'm really tired of is Anthony Davis. Yeah. Anthony Davis is the is the karma of the Lakers right now. The karma of hmm. his injuries. The karma of him being soft. The karma of he doesn't take care of his body. I mean, there's just too much negative karma. And I think LeBron's being bothered by it. And I, and I think we're getting tired of LeBron because he's the guy that explains it mm. or has to communicate what the hell is going on every night in the press conferences. I don't know. I, 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 I thought they would compete 
But recently, after what happened last night, I don't know if those two guys will even play the rest of the games. That's insane. That's just crazy to me. I mean, it'd be great for Denver because those Lakers games, in my opinion, if you had Anthony Davis and LeBron and they were locked in trying to win, it's hard to beat that team two times in one week. I mean, if they have that talent, but the product they put on the court this year, the effort, the energy level, um, and then the fact that, you know, they might just not play again. It's entirely possible. They don't even play again, either one of them. So to me, I just look at that and, and I kind of hate it. I understand rings culture. I understand the idea of like, what's the point, you know, of, of just trying to win, even if you know, you're not going to win the title. But to me, that's the point is sports are competition. It's just, it's just always testing yourself and seeing how far you can go. And that team just doesn't seem interested in that. And it drives me nuts. Adam, you look, you and I are, are together here, man. You're old school and on me. You're not, you're not, you're not AAU and on me. You're old school. Hey, it's the first first episode in like seven. You haven't uh, you, you haven't thrown the barbs at me, so I guess I did something right. Maybe you're maybe you're just influencing me this much, and I'm becoming old school from talking to you. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, the three these three years of NBA basketball, I think you gotta go, you gotta take them with a grain of salt. It's been a difficult run. Yeah, and and basketball has gotten better. I mean, the NBA right now. I don't like the NBA because we don't have enough good team, really good teams. I like it better when there's five or six teams that have a chance. And there's probably five or six teams that have a chance, but we don't know them right now. Right. Uh, I like it better when, you know, there's more of a, a, a telling way where the playoffs are going to go. But with so many good young teams, it's going to happen in the playoffs. It's not going to happen these next six games. It's going to happen, and as I said last time, I said it's going to be in the second round. I agree. And maybe the third round where you're going to see a team go, we can do this. We can get this done. We saw it last year with Phoenix, obviously, at you know, at the hands of Denver. And then we saw it with, even with Milwaukee. This second round, you start to see, hey, their medal gets tested and the best version of them comes out. And I agree with you this year. I, I might even come a little bit sooner because the Eastern Conference is so bizarre this year. The first round might feature Brooklyn and Miami or Brooklyn and Milwaukee in the first round. It's just insane, but we'll have to wait and see that. Coach, this was a great episode. I appreciate it, um, and I wish you good luck this weekend. I know you're almost downplaying it a bit, but I know this is a big weekend emotionally uh, on both accounts, and um, whichever way both things break, you know, I just uh, I hope it's a good one for you and, and that it's something meaningful and positive for you. Well, Adam, I appreciate the thought. Uh, you know, the two things I love in, love in basketball are the NBA championships. I've never gotten a championship ring. Maybe the Hall of Fame could be my championship. And then the greatest thing would be North Carolina beating Duke. That, that'd, be, that'd be, I would pay, I'd write a big check for that. Or I might have to write a big check for that. I love that that's number one, number one, and I believe it too. That's what's so funny about it. Always a competitor. Uh, everybody hit that like button on the way out. Don't forget, subscribe to the Keeping It 1000 podcast. So if you ever miss these live, you can always catch them if you're driving to and from work, in the gym, in the shower, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We'll see everybody next time.